And it's my very great pleasure to welcome um, Gillian and Lucy. So thank you all and everybody else for, for coming along this evening. Uh, my name is Miles and I'm the director of the Iris Murdoch Research Centre and very happy to be hosting this book launch uh, for Gillian's uh, new book and um, listening to Iris Murdoch. So um, it's wonderful that um, she's got up so early to be here. Uh, thank you, Gillian. So Gillian uh, is Honorary Senior Research Fellow in English, having retired from Flinders University Library, where she'd been Special Collections Librarian from 1999 to 2015 and Publishing Support Librarian um, up until 2017. And she graduated from Flinders with a PhD in English in 2001. Uh, she was the founding general editor of the Flinders Humanities Research Centre's e-journal Transnational Literature and was founding co-editor of Writers in Conversation. And she's published three monographs, uh, several scholarly editions, of course, she's best known, I think, for um, Tiny Corner from the House of Fiction, the uh, interviews with Iris Murdoch, um, and the letters between Murdoch and Brian Medlin, and much else besides. Um, and she's published more than 100 journal articles and book chapters, and her research interests stretch from uh, Kutsia, Murdoch, Naipaul, and of course, she's written uh, works on Jane Austen and on the explorer Matthew Flinders, of course, whom, of, of whom the, the university is named after. And she's been a stalwart of Murdoch events and uh, podcasts and much else besides. So it's wonderful that we can be here to celebrate her, uh, her new monograph, uh, which is the first in the Iris Murdoch Today series with uh, Palgrave Macmillan. And she's going to be in conversation with uh, Dr. Lucy Bolton, who's uh, a reader at Queen Mary University in London. And uh, Lucy focuses on the relationship between film and philosophy, with a particular interest in feminist philosophy and phenomenology. And she's currently writing a book on the relationship between film, stardom and philosophy. Um, she's best known to the Iris Murdoch community for um, doing many things, of course, but primarily, <laughs> of course, her monograph, Contemporary Cinema and the Philosophy of Iris Murdoch, which came out in 2019 with Edinburgh University Press. And her most recent publication is the chapter on Murdoch and feminism, which came out in the Murdochian mind um, just a couple of months ago. So, uh, Lucy, I will pass over to you to begin the conversation. Thank you very much indeed for um, hosting this. Thanks very much, Miles, and hello, everybody. Good morning, Gillian. Good morning, Lucy. <laughs> um, it's very nice. <laughs> good, e to good evening, I should say. Exactly. It's very nice to be able to celebrate another um, publication in the field of Murdoch scholarship, having celebrated the Murdochian mind at the conference a few weeks ago. Um, so, first of all, congratulations on your beautiful book. Um, you must be very happy to have it out in the world after all your yeah. work. Um, uh, oh, there it is. Yes, excellent. I do actually have some real hard copies. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> um, so, I mean, over the years we've heard you uh, singing at Murdoch events, we've heard you speak about uh, Murdoch and music, but first of all I wanted to ask you, what's your expertise really, what's your the role of music in your life, um, what makes you so interested in music? Oh well, oh dear, <laughs> um, I, I mean I, I sort of grew up with music all around me, we, my parents were musical, we all learned music, so and and really you know I, I learned the piano and I learned the cello for a little while and but I really just wanted to be a singer I just you know just loved singing always yeah. just loved singing so um so and I've all, always always also loved loved reading um so it was really the Jane Austen and music that you know I, I noticed music in Pride and Prejudice you know when I was reading it as a teenager and and 
thought, oh, that's interesting, you know, that, and then, you know, 20 years later came back and, and wrote an honours thesis on music in Jane Austen. Um, so it, it's sort of it's sort of grown from there. It's just it's, it's those two parts. Those those so those are two important parts of my life: music and reading. Yeah. Um, and uh, it increasingly, recently over the last you know, um, fifteen years or so, they've really come together. And, and I've started noticing music uh, in the works. I mean, I've written a little bit about music in, in J. M. Curtsy. Um, um, music and, and Austin is a, is something I've written a lot about, and I'm now writing a, a monograph on that, and um, and of course Murdoch as well. So with Murdoch, what what drew you to that? Was it again a sort of process of realizing that music cropped up again and again in ways that had yeah. meaning? Um, yeah, you know, I suppose it, you've, you've shown what a strong feature it is of her work and her life. So, how did that realization come about? What led you to realize that? Well, I suppose it's just it's just, just my own subjective reading. I, I I read and 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 I notice those things. But um, I, I mean, I I also must admit that it was um, there was that moment when I I was on a conference panel with um, Ellen Svenneby. Um, from Norway, and she she pointed out that there was that little throwaway line in the message to the planet. Of course, they never let the women sing. And you know, she was saying, "Well, I, I can't work out why they wouldn't let the women sing." And I thought, "Yeah, why wouldn't you know? What, what's what is that about?" So that that was something that that, uh, that was a kind of starting point where I could start digging. Um, and a lot of, uh, I mean, a lot of this is feels a little bit like excavation, so, some of this, what I'm doing here. You're just getting beneath the surface um, of the novels to, to and finding these threads. Um, and I think with Message to the Planet and um, with uh, some of the others, The Good Apprentice, some of the later novels, it's, you know, you, it's really quite a, a, a vein, you know, once you once you sort of go in, like the, the um, it, there's all sorts of connections and relationships and things you can discover when you start looking at music. And I'm sure the same thing is the case with with other other aspects. I'm sure music's not, not particularly special that way. But so um, did you find yourself having to go back over everything, reread everything with oh, those yeah. different glasses on, those different lenses? Absolutely, yes. I had to reread all the novels. Damn. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so that was that was probably the biggest part of it, just reading and making making notes, um, detailed notes about about the music, musical aspects, and then I started notice not noticing not just music but but other sounds, and and silence and and you know how important silence is. Oh, um, cat. <laughs> we've got another visitor there, another a feline member. But I think that's really interesting. Right. Did that surprise you as you were like surveying the novels and the work for music? Did you find yourself thinking, "Oh, actually, sound means a great deal in these in these novels," and I'm going to have to go back again and start thinking at different types of sound? Yeah, I think that um, I've always been aware of her as a very sensuous writer. You know that that the that the um that her, her her the texture of her world is so rich um and and i 
and um, I, I suppose it didn't really surprise me that 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 sound is is part of that and and um and you know i'm not saying that she's unique either i think it's it's something that that most modern novelists uh most novelists sort of post i don't know dickens or um you know it's 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 become sort of part part of the part of the scene and there's now a, a sort of a a, a, a a sort of sub-discipline of, of Murdoch, uh, not, uh, of words and music um, study. And of, of course, you know, it's, it's, it's obvious enough to study poetry, the music and music and poetry together, uh, or look at, you know, settings of musical settings of poetry, but m music in prose, I think is, is probably where my main interest, interest lies is. So you, I'm interested in how you, you set about organising your thinking, really, or set about organising the book, because you know, if you started out thinking about music and then you found all these other sorts of sounds and the importance of it, and I was looking again today, reminding myself about the, the intricacy of the, the differentiation between different types of sound from like singing and singers, um, and, and also, of course, let's start with the concept of listening. Is that, mm. is that something that comes it, first, do you think? It evolved. I mean, I think my 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 early book proposals or my early plans were quite different, and um, you know, I, I was going to have a chapter on birdsong, for example, and I started writing it, and then I started thinking, but I'm I'm from Australia, you know, we've we've got kookaburras and magpies, and and um, I'm kind of know what larks and thrushes and nightingales sort of have what their cultural significance is but it's it's not it's just not, not something that I mean I could read up on the that but that's because it's not it's not something that's that I really know about in my bones yeah I, I didn't feel that I was the right person to write that that chapter so I left I did I used a little bit of that material but I left most of that out and then, and then I discovered. Then I started thinking about the 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 um, all gender and sexuality, and and that just, you know, that was that became really rich when I started noticing the the silent pianos, um, and <laughs> and the um, uh, well, and of course that that question about the the women being excluded from singing in the message to the planet, and then. Um, so it was, it was, it was quite fun looking through the notes once I'd done all the novels and thinking, well, actually there's so much I could write. How do, how do I, what, what am I going to use for each of these chapters? You know, what's, the, what's a good, what are the best, um, examples to use for each of these, each of these themes? And you felt, I mean, you start off by saying it's not, she draws on some musical examples in her philosophical writing, but she doesn't really use it in the way that you were interested in or as much as. So do you, I suppose something that interests me as I was thinking about it today was, you know, people are always asking how much of Murdoch there is in her novels, how much of Murdoch there is in her philosophy, all these kind of questions. Do yeah. you, did you, did you find as you were looking at the types of music that she includes that there was that it's always used to make a point 
or do you did you do you find that sometimes she just includes it as a way of building character in fact you talk about music as a character itself in, mm. in some of the chapters so how how do you find yeah. how do you the ways in which she uses it yes it's it's, it's different i mean it's, it's it's so many different ways um you know sometimes it is really just um sort of incidental music as it were you know that mm. um really do uh, really um willy costs in in the in the nice and the good is, is dancing to mozart and you think hmm, interesting choice you know um but I, I don't think there's a sort of deep significance whereas i think with carol fisher listening to tchaikovsky in um in the time of the angels I think there's a, there's a real subtext there of, of Tchaikovsky and you know sort of that 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 the legend of Tchaikovsky and and his mental illness and possible suicide and all that all those sort of things I think are really wrapped up with with the the the, um, the character of Carol. It's really interesting to think of the idea of incidental music in relation to a novel because in a film of course I would say well there's nothing nothing I always say to my students nothing there is there by accident everything yes. is there as yeah. the design of a lot of people a lot of hard work so even though something might not be maybe as meaningful as as the incident in time of the angels that you've revealed it's it's quite interesting still to think about her choices why she chose yes. certain pieces yes. to feature at certain places yes I mean there's nothing very arcane you know, a lot of it is 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 fairly, you know, the the, the sort of the more popular classics. Really, yeah. I think there's, there's not very much that's um, that um, that people wouldn't know, wouldn't probably have known in her in her time. I mean, some of the some of the old um, Broadway songs might not be not might not be known. Yeah, yeah. So well, like you know. Ain't no fun sitting in the sun or by yourself yeah. in the moonlight or sitting by yourself in the moonlight, that, that wonderful song. Um, <laughs> um, but um, so, uh, but I think there's, yeah, so, you know, one of the, one of the peer reviewers said, well, why, you know, you've got to, you've got to justify why, why she used Tchaikovsky in, in the time of the angels and, and, that was that was a good prompt because I thought, well, yeah, okay, why Tchaikovsky? And partly it's because Tchaikovsky is so recognisable, and, and you know most people would know what Tchaikovsky sounds like, or know Swan Lake, or you know they would sort of recognise that sort of sound world. Mm. Um, um, so that's partly it, but of course then it you know it also has to match the um, you know match the match the book yeah yeah it's interesting isn't it because there's it's always this, this sort of two-way thing you when you think about why a piece is used you can't go back and conjecture you know why a murder chose it but you can think well what does it do once it's there yes, what exactly. meaning does it give and that's yeah yes, that's what's really exactly yeah you mentioned ambient sound as well and I think that's, mm. that's an incredibly I mean I really think that these are groundbreaking terms for thinking about Murdoch in relation to her writing and I wonder if you could say a little bit more about what you meant by that the idea of yeah well sound. so I distinguish between ambient sound and 
and silence, which yeah. are, are sort of just sometimes both present, which is really weird, you know, that, that you know, there's that scene in Victoria Station where um, um, uh, uh, Gulliver, isn't it, in, um, is, you know, he, he, he's, he can, there's this sort of noise, noisiness, but it's, there's, this, there's silence as well, you know, coexisting and, and the, the silence is like a clarity under a mist, which is such a wonderful phrase. Yeah. Um, and um, so, you know, there's ambient sound, so there's just the, the traffic noise and the, um, the things that are just going, going on in the background that, that, that are not particularly, it can be, can't particularly be ascribed to human action. Well, they can, some of them, many of them, but you know, they're not, they're not sort of, um, then there's the, the other side of it, which is the, the things that belong to characters. So there's people's voices and accents and, uh, so, so there, there, there are. I distinguish between those, and obviously, they sometimes they cross over because some the the noise of somebody, the sound of a particular person's car, for example, yes, yeah, you know, yeah. approaching or something like that can be can be um, very important. Or I was, I was thinking about the sort of background hubbub of a pub um, mm. where um, you know, with Jake and his a gang are, are chatting or something and the idea that their voices are set against other voices I suppose it's all part yes. of how evocative a writer writer she is yes. that you feel yeah. yourself so immersed yeah. in the scenario yes um, and I mean that's wonderfully deployed in in that the story something special yeah yeah that, that, that is just so such a beautifully sort of can you say um, which bit there? Because I can't remember that. I know we talked. We we had a paper on something special at the conference, and I have um, I've got the book downstairs, but I think I've only read it once or twice. I find it quite difficult to read, actually. So can you? Can, yeah. yeah, a little bit. I don't. I don't enjoy. I, I find it quite it's, challenging. It is. It is actually. Yeah. It's It's quite a. It's very dark. Yeah, it really is. It's a very dark story, and and the, you know, the main focalizing character is is just so she's so defeated from the yeah. beginning and, and she's, and she doesn't have words. And, um, yeah, so, but she, she's there in a pub, um, at one stage and she's, and she loves the noise and her, her suitor, her, you know, the man she's going to marry, even though she yeah. despises him, <laughs> um, uh, is, you know, is not he's he's timid and he doesn't like he doesn't like the noise and um and uh, you know she's having a wonderful time and then suddenly it sort of all turns against her because the attention starts being to her so you know for, for a while it's she's outside the noise and she's just really enjoying the the cheerfulness of it and and then suddenly it turns nasty and it turns on her and she, and they and then they have to sort of escape yes, yeah. so um so that that's that's a good example of when the sort of ambient noise suddenly becomes very very much um, you know part of the action. And the way in which you describe it there makes it sound like she's more connected to the 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 the, the source of the noise, the kind of randomness or the strangers, than she mm. is to the man who she is supposed to be 
marriage. Absolutely. So it's a, yes. a sign of yeah. kind of lively mindedness or, or lack of con connection or something, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things we were very lucky to hear at um, the conference was the, the um, uh, oh, I've forgotten the name of it now. I've got something special. The piece. Set oh, to, well, the one alone. You're the one alone, the one alone, yes. yes. Oh, so it's called the one, and I thought, hang on, the one what? The one alone. Um, <laughs> and it, it made me think, and you talk about that, and I, I, I wondered if you could say a bit about this, this, what people have done with Murdoch's work in relation yes. to the music. Because yes. I, I find the idea of her sort of stimulating or inspiring musicians mm. really fascinating. Yes, and, and it's something I, I really hadn't, uh, that, and that when that was a late edition too that, yeah. that I, I I didn't know about the opera the servants but as something that was kind of inaccessible and and you know it's something that I would probably not be able to write about because I mean it, it was put on in 1980 1980 was it something around about then anyway sorry <laughs> um and um never revived and and um but then i i managed to find a way in to to get to get to contact the composer oh, no not the composer the, the but it's someone who's writing the composer died in in the right. 90s but his 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 biographer um and uh, so i I've, I've got i've got a copy of managed to get a copy of the score and and um, had a really good conversation with with Tom Hyde, the the um, the, uh, the the the, uh, the biographer, and then I and then I found out. Well, you know, then you know, sometimes somebody will mention. I mean, Miles, of course, says, oh, of course, you know about the the proms, the Malcolm Williamson thing for the proms. I think, oh, no, I didn't know about that. Okay, so that that becomes another project, and and then um, and then. Uh, Maria has been working on um, the one alone, and uh, she knew about the the musical setting of it. So I, I didn't really know about that either. And so, so we've managed to get in touch with Gary Carpenter, the the, the um, composer, and and um, and you know, he, so he he was able to share the the recording with me. So. It was wonderful to hear it. I mean, again, pretty dark and, and strange. Right? Thinking about the libretto yes. for The Servants, what, mm. what's that like? What's the sort of content of that like? Is it Because the one alone feels very Madochian, doesn't it, in that the, the, the concerns are all to do with um, yes. with goodness and with the, the clarity of a question and things like that. Does, yes. you, does her voice come through strongly in, in that, in The Servants? Um, it... it it still does, but it's mediated through the music, and 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 it was it was fascinating reading some of the some of the things that the composer said about that because he he said, uh, you know the the music in an opera, the you know the 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 the, the libretto has to be really pared down, and the music almost has to eat up the words. Yeah. He said he's a Welshman. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, and um, and uh, so he did a lot of rewriting. He, I mean, they you know technically they worked on the libretto together, but there were um, but really apparently he worked on the, the sort of 
recitatives and let her write the, or he, he worked on the sort of the, 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 the book, the sort of screenplay side of it. Yeah. As it were, no, it's not, no, it's not a screenplay, but um, the, you know what I mean, don't you? Yeah. Um, but, um, she, but, you know, he said, we, we, we'll need a, an aria here, you know, so she wrote the, the words of a song and and you know then the, so it, it really became a, quite really a different object she was so, and characters she was so changed to try these different genres of writing and experiment with mm. um different kind of uh connections between her words and other forms of art it's really interesting uh, in yes. terms of even different ty types of music um yes how do you see that yeah fitting with her well uh, it's i mean it's yeah i mean she she did think of the servants i mean of course the a play itself as you know you know she she had a different idea of play, plays and novels that you that you you write you don't write novels to make a political point but plays that, that's what you do you, you know if you want to write propaganda you write you write plays not novels um and um so uh, but you know when it come to came to music she she liked she wanted music in the servants in the snow um the play so she con she actually contacted benjamin Britten, um and <laughs> Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it got a polite, or at least, you know, she got a response, but it was a polite no, um, which, you know, um, and then she, then she gave up. And then, but then William Mathias actually heard the radio play, which uh, she was, she didn't think the radio play went well at all, but he happened to tune in and hear, hear it and said, hey, this would make a good opera. Wow. And he contacted her, and he, she was just absolutely delighted. Um, so, so this, um, so the that that opera was was initiated by the composer. Um, the one alone was a BBC project, and the composer Gary Carpenter didn't was was commissioned by the BBC to write it. So he they were sort of told to work together on he it. He told a thing. great story about how when he went round to meet her, um, how in retrospect he feels that he was kind of being auditioned a bit and sort of tested out and to see whether or not he was up to the task. <laughs> sure, yeah. Well, I, you know, she was she was a pretty major figure by by those that by the yeah. the eighty eighty six, eighty yeah. seven. Um so yeah, she you know, so it was important for the BBC to get it right. But I think he did a yeah. really good job. I think it's a, it's a fascinating thing. Um, and then and then there was the, the, the thing that was done for the Badminton School's 125th yes. anniversary, yeah. the Christopher Bachman. So I got in touch with Christopher as well, who lives in France. Um, and it's and it's the sort of music that, um, you know, it's it's aleatoric, it's... it's um, you know, it's it's there's very few tunes. Um, there's lots of you know tape recorders playing while other people are singing, and you know all that sort of stuff. And um, there's quite a lot of fun, um, but um, it's the sort of music that she would not 
normally listen to at all. You know, she 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 says I I, I like to listen to the radio while John's getting the dinner, but nothing post Bartok. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, but you know she but it's recorded that you know she had tears in her eyes when she was when she was at the performance, um, and and you know that's what she would say. She said. I listen to music. I don't really understand music, and tears would tears will run down down my face at almost any piece of music, um, because then that shows I don't understand it. Um, so she doesn't understand it. Well, that's what she said. You know, she she doesn't she doesn't. I think I think that the the idea that she's trying to convey is that she she's not a she's not an expert. Yeah, a musical expert. She couldn't. She she doesn't apparently didn't read music. Um, um, and uh, she she didn't she doesn't really sort of she can't analyze it the way she can analyze she's not you know obviously with the visual arts yeah she's she's an expert there but she she doesn't sort of know about music in that sort of way so her response is a primarily emotional yes music. Yeah. I, I, want, I just wanted to return before we um, ask anyone if they've got anything they'd like to ask you about just want to return to the the idea of listening and silence because mm. I think that's a really a rich. I wasn't when I was reading that your book. I didn't expect it to go in that direction, but I was so pleased it did because it seemed to me that listening is such an important part of attention. Mm. Um, but that through bringing in silence, you're actually exploring the senses that the sensual experience of attention and so I wondered if you could just say a little bit more about that how you how you came to think about listening and and silence as being so important yes well I it I mean once again it might have it might have been just noticing reading um one of the novels, so it was the Sacred and Profane Love Machine, and I started reading, um, reading that and noticing all the different types of silence in, and tension in that first chapter. Um, and and you can you can sort of read that book as a comedy and and just sort of see it as a oh, I mean it's a it's a very dark comedy, yeah. but um, but you, you can see in in the first you know. 20 pages or something nobody speaks and they're listening and they're listening a lot of there's a lot of listening to silences um different types of silences and they're you know threatening silences or they're you know atmospheric in some way um so that was that was one of those sort of light moments as it were (laughs) we need a new metaphor don't we a symbol moment um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so, so that then started being you know, being something I, I would start noticing, and then I and then I started thinking about no, silence as a as a concept as well, because of course in, yeah. in you know from under the net onwards, you know, keeping one silence and and um, you know Jake's writing a book called The Silencer and and um, and you know so silence keeps keeps coming up in the in the um you know in the novels uh and noticing that of course is and and of course then that you know i think 
one of one of the one of my little platitudes in the book is that no mus every musician knows the importance of silence mm -hmm. um, because and and in that way she was a great orchestrator um, because she will set up a silence and then and then some really you know some noise will happen I mean the the, the most dramatic thing is in Henry and the Cato when when Hen Cato's imprisoned in the dark, in the dark, mm. in the silent dark, and then he he hears what turns out to be his sister screaming in another room, and at first he doesn't really realise whether it's noise or light or what. It's just sensation, um, which forces him to act. Um, so you know the the. The, the 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 use of silence to um, for tension for for um, you know for that sort of uh, atmospheric orchestration I suppose you could you could, could could call it is is you know something that you really is quite a characteristic mm. of her writing mm -hmm. and and you can you couldn't think of it you know once you once you notice it you, you, it's just inseparable from her. From her technique, from her, from the way she she writes, the way she constructs um, thought, I suppose, yeah, um, yeah, and and action, yes, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I'm 